You're listening to an Ono Media Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. This is Murder With My Husband. I'm Peyton Moreland. And I'm Garrett Moreland. And he's the husband. I'm the husband. We have this month's Dear Daisies up and ready to tell you. Good old Dear Daisy. What would we do without her? We would not have a dog, that's for sure. But I really like the Dear Daisy segment. I hope that you guys like it. Um, please keep submitting your stories. Just a reminder, we are streaming every Thursday on Twitch. We might actually start doing some like live Dear Daisies, some live stories here and there as well. But we're just talking about true crime, going through some true crime footage. And yeah, come check us out on Twitch. There will be links below everywhere. And we love to have you. All right, so this first story just needs a bit of a trigger warning because it is a little bit graphic. So, dear Daisy, this one's called, I worked in the county morgue for two weeks. Oh, man. Could you work in a morgue? No, 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 no. I no. cannot do that. I'd, I'd, no offense to anybody, but I'd throw up. This says, dear Daisy, I worked in the county morgue for two weeks. Hey, Peyton and Garrett and sweet little Daisy. I don't know if this is the sort of story you all want, but I have a wild, maybe gross, interesting awful you decide story from when i worked in the county morgue during my last year in medical school first some background i am currently a first year resident doctor in a surgical field during my last year of medical school i completed medical rotations specific to what i was going into however due to some last minute scheduling issues i had the choice of rotating in either the county morgue or pediatric nephrology for a random two-week rotation as I will never need to see a kid's kidney in my life, the county morgue technically applied to my field more, so I just decided to go with that. My two weeks in the morgue was interesting. I really assumed, because I love true crime, that I would kind of be into it, but honestly, my stomach couldn't handle it. The morgue gets any body that didn't die of natural causes, so we got every overdose, suicide, homicide, and accident. Oh, okay. I saw gunshot wounds, hangings and some gruesome car crash victims oh my gosh many of the bodies were found days later and were green and bloated and the smells were unbearable what really surprised me however was the amount of people who came in due to overdose for every suicide or accident we had we easily had five overdoses in addition there wasn't a trend in gender age race or socioeconomic class when it came to ods we had 60 year old businessmen and 22 year old college girls laying right next to each other having both od'd the night before you know i find that's very interesting because it really goes to show you you never really know somebody yeah. You, you never really know what's going on. Well, and she says, my time there really showed me just how real the drug epidemic is 100%. in our country. Mm-hmm. But all of this isn't the wild, gross, interesting, awful story I want to tell you about. That story happened on my second week at the morgue. During that day, we had a light body day. So the pathologist suggested I drive with the cops to their next scene and see how they process a scene before taking the body away. I was actually super excited because I thought that meant I didn't have to deal with the bad smells of the morgue for that day. Yeah. Boy, was I wrong. After about an hour of hanging out, we got called to a scene on our local highway. We jumped into the cruiser and drove over to the accident with little knowledge of what we were going into. When we got to the scene, the traffic was at a complete standstill, and we had about 20 police officers trying to cover the body. I looked up in horror as I saw the deceased man's foot on one side of the road and the rest of him scattered throughout. Apparently, 
an elderly man had attempted to cross our five-lane highway during rush hour and was hit by a truck at 80 miles per hour. The scene was as bad as you are probably thinking. I put my poker face on and jumped out of the cruiser. The cop handed me gloves and told me we had to go take some pictures. I tentatively trailed behind him thinking, why do I need gloves? Aren't I just observing? No. No, I was not. Quickly, he asked me to assist with his angles. Hold his arm here. Can you pick up his foot and bring it over here? Help me find the eyeball. At this point, I was disassociating. Here I am on the side of the road holding a man's eyeball while cars are just driving by me. It was a lot to handle. We are about done when the cop has one last request. Hey, can you walk about a quarter of a mile out that way and pick up any brain and skull pieces on your way back to the car? Oh my, so nonchalant. I know I realize I could have said no. In fact, the other three students who did this rotation respectfully declined touching anything at all. I, however, am a people pleaser. So I fake a smile and said, yeah, of course, no issue at all. And proceeded to walk along the highway, picking up brain wherever I saw it, peeling the tissue off the hot asphalt, wondering how the heck I even got here. My gosh. The car ride back to the morgue was a quiet one. I couldn't get that poor man's mangled face out of my mind. When he landed in our morgue the next day, I just felt so sad. What must have been going through his mind to attempt to cross the highway? Was this suicide? Did he have dementia? Was he acutely confused? The pathologist advised that I stop trying to answer those questions as it will just make me go crazy. And I guess they are right. Still, I never forgot that day or my time in the morgue. That's my crazy story. Hopefully it's what you're all looking for. Keep doing what you're doing and thank you for your passion and respect towards the victims. With love, C. I don't know how people do that full-time, right? Like work in the morgue full-time or anything CSI related. Mm-hmm. I I couldn't I couldn't do that. Do you like turn half of your brain off and you just kind of go numb when you're doing all of it? That, How was that possible? Yeah, probably. And then they just process at home on their own, you know, and, and like they said, stop trying to ask the questions. It's the same reason like you probably aren't as fascinated with true crime because you just don't go there. Whereas the rest of us are like, oh my gosh, why? What happened? How could this happen? Blah, 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 blah. But still like seeing that would, I'm sad as it is because somebody died, like that would gross me out. It would, it wouldn't gross me out because I'm seeing a brain. It would gross me out because I would be thinking about how someone died and like, and they wouldn't even gross me out. It would make me sad. I would just be like, I, that is brain. Like that's a brain. Like no, yeah. no, thank you. I couldn't do it. I couldn't pick a brain up just because how fragile and scary is that that you're picking Oof. someone's brain up? That yeah, that that was crazy. Okay, next one is from Danny. It says, "Hey Garrett, Peyton, and Daisy, I have a mini story for you all and my favorite podcast that I think everyone would find super interesting and eerie. I hope you like it, and I hope you both are doing well. Love from Perth, Australia. Hmm. It's titled Lady in the White Dress." Peyton and I just watched a movie. I was based in uh, Australia. That's good, huh? Anyone but you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was kind of based in Nar! Australia, right? No. <laughs> exactly. This story happened back in 2005 when I was one and my sister was seven. At the time, we were visiting the UK and the trip was so last minute that we ended up crashing at my dad's aunt's house. We were all sleeping in the same bedroom upstairs, all sharing one queen bed. The reason the trip was so last minute was because my dad's granddad, my great granddad, was sick and dad was afraid that he might pass away before he got a chance to say goodbye. So we packed our things and made our way from Germany to London in under 24 hours. 
My sister was too young to, to properly understand why we were making a trip so sudden, so my parents explained it away as having to see great-granddad Bernard before he leaves for his big trip. Okay. I love properly understand. Yeah. I thought I read it wrong at first, but no, just proper. It was our first night in the UK, and it was getting late. We had flown into Heathrow, hope that's how you say that, about four hours ago, and had planned to see dad's granddad the next morning at 9 a.m., Mum was trying to set me and my sister down for bed whilst my dad was having a shower. Mum. My sister was a great sleeper, always had been, and so she passed out like a light. But since I was only a baby, mum stayed with me until I was sound asleep. I feel like you should be reading this in an Australian accent. No. Yeah, she's a, she, but they're not actually in Australia at this point in our story. She's just Yeah, Australia. I'm saying, but she's Australian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So after an hour or so of trying... our. So after an hour or so of trying to settle me down, my dad had gotten out of the shower and had gotten into bed to take over baby duty so my mom could get up and have a shower too. She had just stepped into the hot water when she heard a phone ring. I remember her telling me how frustrated she was because she had just settled me down, immediately turning off the shower and angrily tiptoeing back into the bedroom to give my dad a silent lecture on why his phone should go on vibrate. But as she pushed into the bedroom, those angry thoughts had subsided the moment she saw my dad's face. Dad had just received a call from his mom, my grandma, asking him to come to the hospital. She didn't say whether great-granddad Bernard had passed or not, just that dad needed to come as soon as he could. He got up, threw on his coat, and kissed my mom goodbye without a word, and my mom knew he needed to go, and she knew why. About two hours later, mom still hadn't heard anything from dad. The hospital was a good half an hour away, and she knew that he would message her call when he could. I asked my mom before writing this story how this next part goes, and I thought I would insert what she said happened in her exact words for you. I was sitting up on the bed, staring at the phone, waiting for a call from your dad. It felt like hours, but I had nothing else to pass the time. I eventually gave up and curled up next to you and your sister to just try and get some sleep. I knew the phone ringing would wake me up if he did call. The next thing I know, your sister leapt up into an upright sitting position, eyes wide open, and she was facing the corner of the bedroom. Think of when you see a child in a horror movie having a nightmare and then waking and sitting up so suddenly. This is exactly what she did. She was fixated on the corner of the bedroom and the bedroom was small. So if anything was there, I would have seen it too, but I didn't. I tried to brush her shoulder and encourage her to lie back down to sleep, but she was frozen. I tried again asking her what was wrong and telling her it's okay. Then she blurts out, mommy, who's the lady in the white dress in the corner of the bedroom? What's up? That's my mom's side of the story. And as you can imagine, she was terrified. She had no idea who the lady was in the room and whether my sister was just dreaming or if this was all real. The next morning, my dad returned home bright and early. He entered the house with some fresh pastries and broke the bad news. Granddad Bernard had passed. It didn't click with anyone at the time, but that lady in the white dress was not in fact a lady. It was probably my granddad Bernard in a hospital gown. Dad didn't make it to the hospital in time, but it seemed granddad Bernard did not want to leave without saying goodbye before his long trip. Wow. And that is the story. I've never really had anything like that happen to me. I always find like, it just happens too often for it to be coincidence. Yeah, like not everyone everyone in the world just isn't lying. Yeah, like not everyone is yeah, like, oh, someone passed and then that same night I had this weird experience with mm -hmm. like a ghost or something. Yeah. This next one is I almost got kidnapped from in and out Speaking of that, one of my friends posted the other day and said, good point. He said, how is the in and out line always long no matter what time of day? It is. It is. It's always long. I'm sorry if you guys like In-N-Out, but it is overrated. Talk about something that's overrated. It's good. Sure. Yeah. So I'm from California. Loved In-N-Out growing up. Loved it in high school. Now, 
it's good. Don't get me wrong, it gets solid, but like I don't think it's worth it should obsessing. Should have lines about. like it does. I don't know though. If In and Out wants to sponsor us, they're the best burger in the world. So it just depends. No, you need to stop over toasting your buns if you want to sponsor us. Oh, see, I like that part. I like the over toasted buns. I don't. Maybe that's why you don't like it. And also, like, I just, I don't like that they only have three flavors of shakes. Oh, I'm fine with that. You just get the Neapolitan and you get all three flavors. No. You know what? In and Out is pretty good, actually. Now that I'm talking about, I kind of want not, that for lunch. It's not any better than McDonald's. That's not true, though. Yeah, it is. That's yeah, that's is. crazy that you're saying that right now. It's not. Okay, let's keep going because that's insane. It's the same overrated as Starbucks. That's insane. It's good. Let's let's move along. I can't hear this. So this one is from Megan, and it says, Dear Daisy, hi, Peyton and Garrett. My name is Megan, and I grew up in a small town in California. No, not the deserts of SoCal or the beaches of Central California. I lived in the forested countryside of Northern California. My town is one of the original mining towns in California and has much history packed into it. From a scenic downtown to the Empire State Mine to the wide variety of people you will meet. We also surprisingly have a lot of agriculture, mostly ranching. And so I grew up raising livestock for the local FFA and 4-H organizations mm. and even branched to showing pigs across the country. Don't think of potbelly pigs in the mud. Think of elite animals bred to look the best, grow the best, and taken care of far better than I will ever take care of myself. That's sweet. My story today is about how I almost got kidnapped while picking up three new show hogs when I was 17 years old. All right. It was in September of 2021, and businesses were in much fluctuation regarding masking policy, distance, and other side effects of the pandemic. This will become a big point of the story later on. My mom and I were traveling to another town about an hour and 15 away to pick up some more pigs I had bought from a large show farm in that area. On the way home, we decided we were both hungry and should stop for food. Soon enough, we pulled into an In-N-Out burger. Having the trailer behind us meant- Wait, that's hilarious. What? We were just talking about In-N-Out. Because it was about In-N-Out. Oh, keep take that out, Brandon. This, oh, this is the same story? Yes. Wait, I'm not here today. I'm not doing, not doing the best. Hold on. Oh my gosh. Having the trailer behind us meant we had to pull into the very back of the parking lot. It was a very hot, dry September day, and our trailer currently did not have working fans in it. My mom handed me her credit card and instructed me to go buy us food while she opened the back doors of the trailer to let in cool air and offer the piggies water. Begrudgingly, I walked the distance into the In-N-Out and had just gone to the door when I realized I did not grab a mask, and I wasn't sure if this town still required them or not, as every town had different rules at this time. I was about to turn around and walk back to the car when I remember we had just cleaned all the trash out of it the day prior and with that, all of the masks we had. I hoped like most businesses, they would have masks offered at the door if they required them. I was not in luck, however. I did not see any signs stating I had to wear one, so I continued into the door and into line. I had been in line for no less than one minute, already feeling out of place, when the man in line behind me started speaking to me. He looked to be in his late 20s to early 30s and had on a collared shirt that just said bank. At first, the conversation was pleasant enough as he commented on the weather and the heat. I answered back politely while clutching my phone that had just dinged with the order my mom wanted. The man looked over my shoulder and asked if it was just me and my mom here. I thought the question was odd, but my mind was really in other places like hoping this line would pass faster so we could get my pigs home and out of the heat. Gotta take care of those piggies, man. I answered yes, thinking maybe he was just a curious stranger looking for a conversation after the lockdown. Then his question started taking a turn. 
Where were we coming from? Where were we going? What were we doing? How old was I? And other such far personal questions to ask a teenage girl he'd never met. I grew really uneasy now and kept my back turned to him, answering his questions in short but polite statements. I was almost thankful when an employee called out that I needed to be wearing a mask to continue any further in line. I was about to remove myself from the building when the man tapped me on my shoulder and asked if I would like a mask from his car. A little embarrassed by the whole situation at being called out, I foolishly agreed. Thankfully, I had the sense to stay by the in and outdoors and not follow him all the way to his car, which was a small dark blue and old looking Subaru. He came back a minute later with a mask that looked new. As he handed it to me, I regretted accepting his offer as I did not know where this mask had been. But he had gone all the way to his car, so I gingerly put it on. Okay. Back inside, he kept trying to talk to me, and I kept responding with short replies when suddenly he left the line for a phone call. I got to the register and ordered as quickly as possible and sat down to wait for my order, relieved to be away from him. I'd been sitting no more than two minutes before the man sat down next to me, smiled at me, and looked forward again. Had he even ordered? Then I noticed another man, wearing the exact same uniform as the first man, standing to the other side of me. I was on the edge of a bench. He was bigger than the first and looking at me. There was still room next to the first man sitting on the bench, so there was no reason for the second one to be standing next to me instead of sitting by his friend who's dressed the exact same. Mind you, I'm built like a twig, 5'6 and 116 pounds on a good day. So this freaked me out a bit and I tried to call my mom. She didn't answer, which wasn't unusual. Instead, I called my boyfriend at the time. I didn't tell him what was happening yet in case I was wrong, but instead just talked to him about random things. Eventually, my order was called and I booked it out of there. At this point, my mom had walked over after wondering what was taking me so long, and I told her everything as we walked quickly back to our car at the opposite end of the very large and empty parking lot. Just as we were crossing off the sidewalk onto the pavement, the same exact car I saw the man retrieve the mask from rolled up slowly next to us about a row over. We hurried faster and as soon as we got into the car and locked the doors, the car that had been keeping pace with us the whole time left through a parking lot exit. I will never know exactly the intentions of those two men, but it spooked me. The irony of the whole situation is that if you ever walk into an in and out you will see they always have human trafficking posters displayed behind a case saying to be careful and keep an eye out. Thank you for listening to my story. Peyton and Garrett, I love your relationship and how you bond over a topic that honors lives lost and helps keeps others aware. Your podcast has definitely made many long drives shorter and work more interesting. I will probably write in again as growing up in a small historic mining town, you are taught to keep your mouth shut about the strange things that happen there. And oh boy, we've had quite a few strange and murderous things. Crazy. That is the story. It's pretty, okay. Even if they weren't going to kidnap her, mm -hmm. they were clearly making her uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Like you're, you're, you've boxed her in on this bench. You're not sitting by each other. You're talking to her. You're asking her a lot of personal questions. Yeah. Then you pull your car up next to her. Like even if it was there was nothing nefarious going on, why make someone uncomfortable? I don't know. I just think there's a lot of weirdos out there. There's a lot of weird people out there. Yeah. Weird in that sense. Not weird in other right, sense. Right. Like weird in that sense. Yeah. Here's the last one. It said, my dad visited me in my dream and it's from Claire. Hi, Peyton and Garrett. My name is Claire and I live in Chicago. I've been listening to your podcast since 2021 when I discovered you on TikTok. Ooh. I was so intrigued by the Karen Phillips murder dream episode because I 100% believe that dreams can be signs or messages and I've definitely had a ghost visit me in my dreams many times. Ooh, is that the episode where the guy had a vision of like what was going to happen to the girl, correct? I think so. That one was crazy. What episode is that? We need to find that. Uh, well, it's Karen Phillips, but 
do you before we even get in this episode do you think dreams are a sign like do you think that dreams can tell you things no <gasps> you don't no i think it's possible do i think it's happened to me nah really i yeah it hasn't happened to me i think it's possible i kind of wish it would happen to me so then i could believe it more i've a hundred percent had paranormal experiences in my dreams oh that then okay happen when i wake up and yeah, so yeah, have yeah. you i you're right i've had some weird paranormal things in my dreams i forget i just forget about that stuff yeah I forgot about that yeah okay okay so she said, I 100% believe that dreams can be signs or messages. And I've definitely had a ghost visit me in my dreams many times. I wasn't sure if this story would be considered paranormal, but I just heard you share Sydney's story about her grandfather on Dear Daisy. So I knew I had to share mine as well. My dad passed away in 2018 due to unfortunately getting into a car with someone who had been drinking. Mm. He was at a college reunion with friends in Wisconsin and was supposed to come visit me the next day in Chicago. Of course, he never made it. Oh, heartbreaking. It was such a sad, confusing and lonely time for me. But one of the things that brought me comfort was the many dreams I would have about my dad. Some were very vague and weird or didn't make much sense, but one in particular stood out to me as it was very vivid. One night I dreamt that I was supposed to meet some of my dad's friends at a restaurant in downtown Chicago. I got to the restaurant and it was extremely crowded. As I was pushing through the crowd and looking around for guys I was supposed to be meeting, I could barely see them through the crowd all the way in the back of the restaurant. I also thought I saw a man who looked a lot like my dad standing with them, but I thought, obviously, that can't really be him. I finally made my way through the crowd to them and saw three men in suits standing there. The first man I immediately recognized is one of my dad's old friend's coworker, and he shook my hand. The second man I didn't recognize at all, but I shook his hand and introduced myself, and he said, Hi, I'm Peter Kane. The third man was my dad. We just looked at each other for a few seconds, and then I hugged him, and he lifted me up. I started to cry and asked him, why did you leave me? And that's when my alarm went off. It wasn't like any other dream I had ever had about my dad before. It felt so real. Of course, the first thing I do is call my mom to tell her about this dream and ask her who the Peter Kane guy is. She had no idea. I spend the whole day obsessing over this dream and doing a million Google searches, Facebook searches, and LinkedIn searches to figure out the significance of this Peter person or who he is, but I found nothing. Fast forward to now, I'm at a new job where my current boss happens to be my dad's old boss. I've known him for years and he brought me onto his team six months ago. One day I'm scrolling through LinkedIn to connect with new team members at my company. And guess who is one of the managers at the company? Peter Kane. Okay. I guess it's kind of a common name and could totally be a coincidence. But either way, I still believe that my dad visited me in my dream that night. Maybe to help guide me on my career path or to give me some sort of sign or maybe just check in on me. Yeah. Thank you to Sydney for sharing her story and for reminding me of my dream and that not all paranormal ghost stories are scary. When our loved ones pass, they're definitely still with us in some way and sometimes can visit us in our dreams. Yeah, I've only, that's pretty cool because I've only ever had like bad ones. You've never had good dreams about that you felt, I mean, obviously sometimes you dream, but there's a difference between that and then like her meeting this rad, random Peter King guy and then I end up being her, one of the managers yeah. that are. No, I've never had my grandparent, anyone that's passed away in my family, nothing. All my dreams that I've had that I don't remember a lot of my dreams mm -hmm. and the dreams that I do have that I remember are usually bad ones. Yeah. If I have a good dream, I feel like I just don't remember it. I... I don't know why. It's kind of strange. I remember I used to sleepwalk a ton. Remember how we were talking about that? Um, yeah, I don't know. I've definitely had bad dreams about spirits or whatever. And then I have 
woken up and still felt like there were ghosts or whatever like with me um and then i feel like a lot of the time my positive experiences like happen during like meditation Mm -hmm. i do be seeing my grandma meditation you be levitating when you're meditating baby (laughs) (laughs) i'm coming into the room and paint's floating off the couch meditating it's kind of scary it's not scary but it's just like you can get in such deep meditation and I then can't, i can't i can't meditate if i tried i don't have the i just have you too could mu- i have too much add i got too much sometimes it's hard to for do me. and going on i couldn't do that last night i was trying to meditate for like 10 minutes and i just couldn't i couldn't get there so I eventually was just like okay i did what i could yeah i'm just hard all right you guys that was our dear daisies and we will see you for another regular episode of murder with my husband i love it and i hate it goodbye mm-hmm.